we continue our walk through the Psalms, today we'll look at Psalm 12. And Psalm 12 is, is another Psalm that's written by David. And it's, it's interesting that when we look at these early Psalms, the Psalms that are in the front of the book, we get to see David as he, as he works out the things of life. <laughs> and so the Psalms that David penned, they, have, they just have the stains of life all over them which is good for us because we're going to all go through the same battles that he did. And today in this psalm, David is he's working out an issue that all of us have or will struggle with. If you know that if we were to sit down and make a list of heavy things to go through in life, the things that we, that we would dread, of course, financial issues and job issues, health issues, are all on that list, but uh, one that can, can get overlooked, it's a, and it's very important to us, is trust. When trust is broken between two people, there's a, there's, a, there's a real spiritual heaviness in that. And if any one of you have gone through a broken relationship, or a broken marriage maybe, or broken friendship, or maybe, again, some of that hasn't happened to you yet, <laughs> but because we live in a fallen world, Broken trust is most likely going to happen to every one of us in this room today. So broken trust, when trust is broken, when we find that we've been lied to, or things have been hidden from us, this is a very heavy, it's a very heavy spiritual trial to try to to go through. Because sometimes we can feel like we're all alone, and we're standing in the middle of this, and we can begin to think that we're that we're a little crazy because everyone around us is, is, seems to be enjoying their deceit and their dishonesty. And this is where we find David today in Psalm 12. David could have written this psalm during his life when Saul was persecuting him and chasing him, or could have been when his own son was trying to kill him. We can't be sure, but whatever the case is, David is in distress here. And it was getting ugly as these false accusations and these lies, they were spreading and trust was being broken. And David's getting to the point where he asks, who can I trust? We've all heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, let me assure you that this saying is not true because words can actually hurt more than sticks and stones. We ask why? Because there is power in words. And there's a good power and a bad power in words. And I'm not talking about the the false teaching of the Word of Faith movement. Not that kind of power in words. The power I'm talking about is is the power to build people up or tear people down. And in God's Word, it does show us the power of words. It's found all over in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs teaches us how to use words in, in speech that are good and truthful. Proverbs, Proverbs commands things like, like gossip and slander are bad. We shouldn't be doing that. Proverbs shows us that words are important and to speak to one another in truth and love. That's the power in the words. That's a title, of, like I said, today's message is the power of words. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to grab it and turn with me to Psalm 12. At this point in David's life, things are, are being said about him that are not true. And he feels as though he's all alone because so many people are believing those false accusations and those lies. 
So what can he do? Well, the only thing he can do is he cries out to God. And so Psalm 12, beginning at verse 1, and God's word says, For the choir director, according to Shemineth, the Psalm of David, Save, O Yahweh, for the holy man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men, for they speak worthlessness to one another with a flattering lip, and with a double heart they speak. May Yahweh cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that speaks great things. Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is the Lord over us? Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groaning of the needy, I will arise, says Yahweh. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. The words of of Yahweh are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace on the ground, refined seven times. You, O Yahweh, will keep them. You will guard the... Guard him from his generation forever. The wicked strut about on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. And there is the reading of God's word. So let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Let's pray before we dive in. Heavenly Father, we know how powerful your words are. Father, it says that your words are like a two-edged sword. It, it, It it cuts deep into our hearts with the truth. Father, sometimes words can also hurt and leave us with distrust. Father, we pray today that you help us see the truth from your word, that you open our eyes to see your truths. Father, forgive me for my shortcomings and preach a better message than I have prepared. And Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The power of words. Words are important to all of us. And words are how Yahweh God has chosen to communicate with man. So we have God's Word. And we live and die by words. Words have real power. In fact, it says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, how powerful are God's words. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was created, how? By the Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are, that are visible. God spoke the world into being by the power of His Word. And so as humans, we are made in God's image, and so our words also have a little bit of power. And our words can do more than just convey information. They can also have an impact on someone's life. And so the power in our words can either hurt or heal. So that means He can either stir up hatred and violence, or they can even cause them directly. And on the good side, words can build people up and be life-giving. And so all of, the, all of, the, of all the creatures on the planet, of, planet Earth, only us humans have the ability to communicate through the spoken word. And here in Psalm 12, we have David. He's dealing with the awful wounding words of sinful men. And so as we look at Psalm 12 today, we're going to see the three A's. The three A's. First, and we look at verses 1 through 4, we, we have David's appeal. David's appeal. And then second, in verse 5, we have Yahweh God's answer. Yahweh God's answer. And then third, in verses 6 through 8, we have our assurance. Our assurance. 
So here in Psalm 12, we have the appeal, then the answer, and then lastly, the assurance. And Psalm 12, again, is this another psalm where David is in trouble. He's troubled. And he's looking at the world around him, and he, and he calls out to the Lord for help. So let's dive into Psalm 12. First, we have David's appeal, verses 1 through 4. Starting at verse 1. David writes, Save, O Yahweh, for the holy man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from among you, the sons of men. So notice right off the bat here, David says, Save, O Yahweh, for, for holy, holy men ceases to be. We see David crying out with his, with his short little prayer. He's saying, Help me, Yahweh. Save me, Yahweh, because help means to save or to deliver. So when we're going through these, these tough times in life, when we're going through the difficult times, it's totally okay to cry out to the Lord, help, help me. Remember the book of Psalm begins with the fact that, that there's two roads in life. There's only two ways that we can travel through, through life, and that's the way of the wicked or the way of the righteous. And those on the way or the road of the righteous will think about Yahweh's words, and they will obey them, which leads to blessing. And it bears fruit. But the way of the wicked reject Yahweh's words. And they're on the path that leads to judgment and despair. And really these two paths are anchored down by words. The road of the righteous are anchored by the words of, of Yahweh God, which are words that are life-giving and healing. But the road of the wicked, this road is anchored by, by words that are against God. Which are words that are lies and unrighteous. And so in the rest of verse 1, we see David, we see why he's crying out for help. He says, save, O Yahweh, for, for, holy, for, the, for the holy man ceases to be. And here in the Legacy Bible, it uses the word holy instead of godly. Some of your translations may have godly. But here it says the holy man ceases to be. And the word holy makes David's statement that much stronger because God's plan is for those he calls, he sets, a, he sets them apart for himself. He sets them apart so they would focus their attention on him and stay close to him until the day he calls him home. So a holy man is someone who is, who is steadfastly loyal to God's word and steadfastly loyal to the person of God. So David prays, help, O Yahweh, for the holy man ceases to be. So what he's saying is, where are all the holy men? In the last part of verse 1, he says, for the faithful men disappear from the sons of men. David says, help me, Yahweh, because I look out at the world around me and I, I, I just, I don't see any faithful men. They're fading off the scene. They're a dying breed. He's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm starting to feel all alone here. I can't find anyone with whom I have a common spirit or a, or a common mind or a common heart. I can't find anyone who loves your truth or who wants to obey you or is even faithful to you. He's saying, Yahweh, uh, all I see is the, this rising tide of this ungodliness that's polluting everything in the world today. The faithful have disappeared from the sons of men which is, or sons of Adam. And the sons of Adam are, human, are the human race. So does this sound like David could have written this today? David says, David says it, it looks like these deceitful men are prospering. They're, they're just steamrolling over everyone. Isn't there any way to stop this? 
And so just what are these ungodly, deceitful men? What are these men who are steamrolling everyone and gaining power? What are they doing? What are these politicians and and leaders saying? Well, look at verse 2. David says, they speak worthlessness to one another with a flattering lip and with a double heart they speak. Remember, David wrote this some 3,000 years ago, but it sounds an awful lot like 2023. And that's the beauty of God's Word because it's always timeless. And so here David, he looks around and what he sees is a bunch of guys who've mastered the art of, of smooth talking. They're nice and all smiles in public, but... Behind closed doors when they're home, it's, it's like they're a completely different person. There's a wickedness there, and they're hiding it in public. And so in private, the wickedness of their heart and their evil intentions, it just comes oozing out. And we can see this in our day. We can see this that some people aren't even trying to hide this in our day. But for David, he's saying, how can I deal with this type of man, Lord? Help me. How do I fight this? And what we're seeing here in verses 2 through 4, really what we're seeing is a corrupt society. And look again how David describes them. He says, they speak worthlessness to one another. They speak worthlessness or emptiness to one another. It's the Hebrew word for lies. So they speak without a foundation. They speak, they speak without, without facts. They speak lies to one another. So how in the world can you trust any of them? Their words do no good. They only do harm. In the rest of verse 2, he says, with a flattering lip and with a double heart, they speak. In the Hebrew, with lips of smoothness, which means a, a form of flattery. They flatter you to your face, but behind your back, they slander you. Again, the words that come from our tongue are powerful. Our tongues are not that big, but, but they, can, they can cause a lot of trouble. Makes us think of James, right? James chapter 3 and verses 4 through 6. It tells us in James 3, 4 through 6. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Hurtful human speech is a destroyer of human relationships. And David includes flattery here among the lies and the slander. Why does he do that? Well, because flattery is a fake kind of encouragement. And so if gossip is something that you would not say to someone's face, but you would say behind their back, then flattery is something you will willingly say to someone's face that you would never say behind their back because you really don't mean it. Your flattering is lying to somebody. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 5. In Proverbs 29, 5, it warns us, a man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. So flattery and appreciation, what is the difference? Well, it's not easy to always tell the difference between flattery and appreciation because They may sound the same, but flattery has a deceptive bent to it. A person who is being flattered can get caught up in the trap because they they don't know if if the man's truthful or not. This is why trust is so important. So why do they flatter? Well, the rest of verse 2 in Psalm 12, David says, 
with a double heart they speak. So they say one thing, but they believe another. They talk out of both sides of their mouth. And in the Hebrew, when it speaks about the heart, it's, it, it's speaking about what really controls the body. The heart is like the mind. We use our mind to think about stuff, but, but, but it's our heart that really controls us because it's, it's where our desires come out of. It's, it's the will. It's our will comes from the heart. And so when David says a double heart, with a double heart, it means they're double-minded. We would call someone like this in our time probably two-faced. They have a hidden agenda. And so how in the world could we ever trust them? And for David, he lives in a world where godly men are disappearing. And the men that are taking the place of these godly men are men that speak worthlessness with flattering lips and they speak with a double heart. So we can see why David's crying out for help. And he goes on in verse 3. We can see that he's not happy about all this because look what he asked Yahweh God to do here. Verse 3. May Yahweh cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that speaks great things. You think David's had enough of these guys? That's a pretty rough prayer here. Lord, cut off their flattering lips and the tongue that speaks great things. And David knows, he knows when Yahweh God's judgment comes to judge these guys with their flattering speaking lips, with their boastful tongue, that these guys are going to lose way more than their lips and tongues because they're going to lose their very soul and they're going to spend eternity in agony. But David's had enough because he loves truth. He loves truth. He loves righteousness. He really wants Yahweh to put an end to this meaningless flattery, this dishonesty, the two-faced lies, because he doesn't want it to be this way. He doesn't like it this way. Like all believers, he's a lover of truth and he desires truth. But he's surrounded by men who speak empty words of vanity, who are flatterers, and no one can believe what they're saying. But there is coming a day when David's prayer will be answered. It's coming. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. In Revelation 21, 8, it tells us there that, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, what will happen to them? Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Again, here's David back some 3,000 years ago. And there's these ungodly men, they're assaulting David, a man after God's own heart, and he's pleading to Yahweh to put, please put an end to this. Because those who are on the road of the righteous, they love the truth. They're, they're, they're truth seekers. And they love the truth. And David has a deep passion for the truth. It would be like if there's a, a beautiful flower garden, just in your picture in your mind, a beautiful flower garden. But right in the middle of this beautiful flower garden, there's this weird-looking giant weed that's growing right in the middle of it. And it's beginning to take over the entire garden. And David's praying to Yahweh, please, Yahweh, take this ugly weed by the roots and just yank it up, throw it out on the rocks, and let the sun just dry it up and shrivel it up. Remember, David is writing this psalm through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So not only are we getting to see David's heart, but but we also get to see the heart of, of God as well. So here again, Here's David. He's looking around. He sees these men, these men who are in high rank. They have all the power. They're arrogant. They're defiant toward Yahweh God. And his humble heart, he just can't understand 
how they can do this and have no fear. Again, it's like in our day. All we have to do is look to Washington. We see all kinds of blasphemy, arrogance, and boastfulness from the leaders who are in power. But God one day will put an end to it. And again, it's more than just their lips and tongues that God is judging them by. So now we have David's heart. We saw his heart. We know how David feels about all these flatterers, about these two-faced unbelievers. But what do the unbelievers think about Yahweh? Well, let's look at the unbelievers' philosophy. Look at verse 4. Here's their philosophy. Verse 4, Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? So we see two things that they believe. One is that their tongue, with their tongue, they're going to prevail. They're going to win. <laughs> they think this is how you get ahead. It's lies, lies, and more lies. And then two, who controls our lips? <laughs> our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Our lips are our own. No one, can, no one is in charge of us. We can say whatever we want. We own our lips. So who's going who's gonna to know if we're lying or not? There are, there are no consequences to this. And again, this, this fits our world today. We hear this all the time. We hear people saying, I, I can say whatever I want. You can't tell me what to say, or what, what I can't say, what I can say. I have a right to say what I want. And also, we look around at our world today, and, and there's so much false information. Even the news. I mean, we live in a time where there's so much fake news. How, how do we know what's true anymore? Everything seems to be bent on getting us to think and act a certain way. I mean, advertising has been doing this for years and years and years. You know, when I was a kid, Fruit Loops were, were marketed as a nutritional breakfast for kids. I mean, there is some vitamin D and some B in there, but really, Fruit Loops is, has 12 grams of sugar, which means that it's 50% sugar. And this was before they printed the ingredients on the box. And I don't mean to pick on Fruit Loops, but... The whole idea of advertising is to, is to they, they, want, they want to get you to buy what they're selling. And so they stretch the truth, so we want what they're selling. And we have so many politicians who, who say whatever they need to say to achieve their goals, their influence, or their riches. Whatever they want, they use their tongue to advance it. It's kind of like the joke about the lawyers and the politicians. How do you know when they're lying? Right? When their lips are moving. And then back here in David's time, it's the same thing. And what makes it worse is they're confident. They think they're so much smarter than everyone that they can just say whatever they want without any consequences. This is the world that David lives in. And this is the world we live in. And so for us, when we look around and we see all this corruption, we can feel like David does. And that's a good thing because if we feel like David does, then, then that shows that God's Spirit is in us. And it's working. It shows us that we are, we're a truth lover. And we, we're a truth seeker. And as believers, that's all we want to be. <laughs> we want to be more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And because He saved us and taken us out of loving the things of this world, and He's given us a desire and a love for truth. And it's only the, the corrupt leaders who can use words that hurt and deceive. But some of us, Again, may have been hurt by someone we trusted. People we've loved or even close friends. We've been hurt by flattering lips and a, and a double heart with someone who's two-faced. Something might have been said behind your back that wasn't true, but, but someone believed it. 
slander, gossip, and lies, they can have a devastating effect on us. Untruths can and will do damage. And so if this has ever happened to you, you're in good company. You're not alone. Because David has also gone through this. David, the man after God's own heart, has walked in our shoes. And David is dealing with the awful hidden motive of these wounding, wounding words of sinful men. And really, we live in the same world, it, only I, I believe it's gotten worse. And so first, we had David's appeal. And now second, in verse 5, we get to see Yahweh God's answer. Yahweh God's answer. So where is Yahweh God in all this? Well, now we hear from Yahweh God, who loves the humble, brokenhearted, the simple believer in Him and in Christ. So look at verse 5. It says, Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groaning of the needy, now I will arise, says Yahweh, and I will set him in the safety for which he longs. So here we have a bright light, a bright light shining through all this darkness. Verse 5 begins, because or for the reason of what? The devastation of the afflicted. You know, all throughout the Psalms, there are four main words that are used for the, for the disenfranchised or the helpless, the defenseless. And we see two of them right here in verse 5. First, we have the afflicted, which in Hebrew means the poor, the humble, or the wretched. And second, we see because of the groaning of the needy. The needy. In Hebrew here, it means someone who's in a sense of want, especially in feeling. It's a, it's a, I really need something bad. And the other two words to describe the, the disenfranchised or the helpless are defenseless. The defenseless are poor and oppressed. And when we think about these words, the, these words afflicted, needy, poor, or oppressed, we, 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 we can tend to think of it as an, on an economic value. That we t- tend to think about poor people living in little shacks and have little food. But when it's used here in God's word, afflicted, needy, and poor, and oppressed, they all have one thing in common. They're all characteristics of a humble person. Humble or, or humility. Because Yahweh loves a humble person. Yahweh God promises to give grace to the humble. In Isaiah chapter 66 and verses 1 and 2. Yahweh said this in Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2. He said, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool of my feet. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares Yahweh, but to this one I will look. So who is Yahweh going to look to? He says, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. So here in Isaiah 66, we see the infinite majesty of God. Heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. He made everything. He made it all. But notice to whom it is he will look with the affliction and favor. Affection and favor. It's those who are humble and repentant and who trembles and who respects at His Word. These are the ones on the road of the righteous. These are Yahweh, God's righteous people. And so, these are the ones to whom are being afflicted. They're the ones that are being lied about. 
And it's, it's those unrighteous ones on the road of the wicked. They're the ones who have the flattering lips. They're the, they're the double-hearted, two-faced people. And they're the ones who are bragging about what they're doing. They have no fear. But this was all of us before we heard the call of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was all of us before we were called off the road of the wicked and placed onto the road of the righteous. So we now love the truth. We turn our backs on that all way of living. But are we always perfect? No. <laughs> no, but we're growing in truth and knowledge. We've come out of the dark and now we're, we walk in the light. And so we're not sinless, but we sin less. Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groaning of the needy, Yahweh God knows and sees what's going on and He will take care of His own. So how can we be so sure? Well, look at verse, the last part of verse 5. He says, Now I will arise, says Yahweh. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. Now I will arise, says Yahweh. This is a, this is a human way of, of describing us that Yahweh God is serious. That He's going to judge this. Yahweh God says, The time is coming when I will arise and I will act. Here David is giving us this visual of Yahweh God sitting on His throne. And then he's going to say, okay, that's enough. And when he rises to give judgment, that means he's serious. That means you don't want to be there when it happens. When he rises, he means business. It's a way of describing Yahweh and judgment. And we can find this kind of language all over the Psalms. We see it in Psalm 3. Psalm 3 verse 7 says, Arise, O Yahweh, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheek and you have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Also in Psalm 7 we see it. Psalm 7 verse 6, Arise, O Yahweh, in your anger, lift up yourself against the fury of my adversaries. This, this again, rising up to judge, to intervene, and to rescue. This kind of language, again, is found all over the Psalms. And what else will Yahweh do when He arises here in verse 5? Now I will arise, says Yahweh. I will set Him in the safety for which He longs. So we have Yahweh telling David that, that, that what you're going through here, I will, set, I will set you in the safety that you long for. He's saying, David, I got you. So this tells us that everything that we see going on around us in this deceitful world, it's not going to go on forever. That one day Yahweh God will rise up and put an end to all this deceit, all this perversion, and it won't be just David that he places into safety, but all those who belong to him. All those who have been called out, justified, and are being sanctified and will be glorified. All those who are now on the road of the righteous. So Yahweh God says, Now I will arise, and I will set him in the safety for which he longs. God is on our side. He's got us. The God of truth is for us. And He will rise up and He will place us in the safety for which we long. Which means, if you're here today and you're suffering, if you're brokenhearted, if you're discouraged, if your trust has been broken by someone, you will not be left in that broken state forever. Because Yahweh God hears the groaning of the needy. He hears the cry of the afflicted. And even if you're not experienced any kind of Slander, gossip, or lies spread about you. Again, just be patient because it's coming. Because we live in a fallen world. 
the lies, untruth, slander, it's going to come from every side. And when it does, remember this psalm. Remember what David prayed. Notice Yahweh God says here in verse 5, because of the groaning, this, this, this groaning of the needy. Groaning is crying, it's grief, it's wailing. It, it, it's someone in distress. And so we live in this world which... We live in a world that's bigger and stronger than we are, but remember, we serve a God who is bigger and stronger than the world is. And this is where we find our hope, our refuge, and our strength to keep moving forward. Also, you, you see Yahweh saying, now I will arise. This word now, it means mark this down. This is going to happen. This is certain. And Yahweh God always keeps His promises. This will happen. In Psalm 12, again, this is David dealing... He's dealing with, with, with these awful motive of these wounding words from these sinful men. So first we saw David's appeal. David in the first four, first four verses had been under the suffering of these words of these wicked men. And then second, we just saw Yahweh's answer. And His answer is powerful. And it, it's in sharp contrast because of this, of this, uh, this decaying society and over the deception that has been thrown down on David. And it can be on us as well. The words of the wicked are against everything that is sure, that's true, and against the perfect word of God, which shows us that while men are liars, God is not. Because Yahweh God is a God of truth, and He speaks by the power of His own righteousness, and He declares, I will defeat all of this, and I will protect you in the process. God is saying, I hear you, I see, and these lies will not last, and those who trust me will find safety. But how can we be so sure? How can we be so sure? Because now we come to the third truth. In verses 6 through 8, we have our assurance. Our assurance. Starting at verse 6. The words of Yahweh are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace on the ground, refined seven times. Verse 6 begins with the words of Yahweh are pure. So every day men lie to us, they break their promises, but God's word does not lie to us. I've heard Don Green say, God's word is truth, eternal and unchanging. It's, a, it's like the rock of Gibraltar, which the sea of men's deception cannot wash away. So men and women change, they change their minds, they can say things depending on their mood, but God's Word does not change, it endures forever. It's always amazing that this book we hold, God's Word, is one book that can actually fix the world. It's why we love it so much. It, it's so different from the world because men and women, they flatter us to gain an advantage. But God's Word doesn't flatter us, no, it convicts us of our sins. And it's so powerful that it can even pierce into our old stone, deceptive heart and change us. And notice how pure God's words are in verse 6. He says, as silver tried in a furnace on the ground, refined seven times. So again, here's that refining process. It's like, it's, God's word is like silver that's been tried in a furnace. Not just once, not just twice, but it says seven times. And each time silver is refined in a furnace, all the impurities rise to the top and they would be skimmed off. 
And each time, more and more impurities would be taken out until there's nothing left but pure, perfect silver. And this is what Yahweh's God, Yahweh's Word is like. And it's interesting that David did choose the word here, pure, to describe God's Word. He could have used powerful, he could have used beautiful, but he used pure. Why? Because he's showing us the contrast of Yahweh's pure word against the dark, untruthful words of the wicked. David wants us to see the contrast of the empty words of sinful man, but that God's words are as pure as fully refined silver, refined seven times over. Yahweh's truth is precise, it's trustworthy. David says God just has just spoken and his word is true, it's dependable, it's reliable. And so now he's, he's adding his amen to what was said in verse 5. And in Psalm 19, I think David said this so beautifully in Psalm 19. Psalm 19 in verses 7 through 10. Listen to, listen to David talking about God's work, word there. He says, The law of Yahweh is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Yahweh was clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, even much more fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. David's he's talking about the infallibility, the inerrancy of God's word. You know, when we hear these words like infallibility, inerrancy, it can it can cause us to think about God's word that it's perfect, perfect grammar, gr- grammatically. <laughs> that everything is perfectly written with no errors. But really, all that what that really means is that the Bible contains no error or fault in its teaching. That Scripture can be trusted as being recorded accurately. That there's nothing in it that can deceive us. There's nothing in it that that we can't trust, and so there's nothing in it that can lead us astray. It's fully trustworthy. Yahweh God and His Word can be trusted even when men cannot. The David says, the words of Yahweh are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace on the ground refined seven times. We're now anchored. We're now strong because of God's Word. So even if all around us is chaos and lies, if we believe God's Word, we have confidence even when liars make life difficult. And now look at what David says in verse 7. In verse 7 he says, Oh, he says, You, O Yahweh, will keep them. What's the them? Well, it's Yahweh's words. You will keep your words. You will keep your promises. So every time we're tempted to fear, every time that we're angered over what we see going on around in the world, we need to resist ever thinking, Lord, will you really keep your promises? Because I don't see anything happening. I mean, things don't look good. But don't worry, he will keep his promises. And the rest of verse 7 continues with his, his assurance. It says, you will guard him from his generation forever. You will preserve us from this wicked generation forever. Our Lord Jesus said this in John chapter 10 in verses 27 and 28. In John 10, 27 and 28, our Lord Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, 
and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish ever, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And although we'll go through all of this, we're in Yahweh's hand. You ever think about that? He's got us. So we can live with that confidence. So the world we live in, it hasn't changed, but we've changed. And as believers, we now have confidence in Yahweh's Word. And He will guard us from this generation forever. So no matter how corrupt, no matter how evil, no matter how wicked the society gets, He will guard us forever. And He guards us in two ways. (laughs) Through His pure Word and through His powerful hands. We're covered and protected by His hands. And now in verse 8, David comes, he comes full circle. He brings us back to the world in which he's living in. He knows that the wicked will continue on until Yahweh puts an end to it. In verse 8, he says, the wicked strut about on every side. And so do, do they even care that they're sinners in a sinful world? Or that they're on the road of the wicked? It says the wicked strut. And to strut is to walk proudly. We think of like a, a peacock. To walk with pride. They're proud of what they're doing. And so they keep right on doing it. They keep right on lying. Right on deceiving. Right on using fake flattering words. Right on being two-faced to get what they want. They strut around in their wickedness of sin as if there will be no judgment. But David knows that they're going to have to give an account of what they're doing someday. In the last part of verse 8, when the vileness is exalted among the sons of men. So why are they strutting? Well, it's because the world admires their vileness, their wickedness, their worthlessness. It's exalting among the sons of men. The wicked world exalts them. It lifts them up. So David closes this psalm in the same way he opened it. He's using this phrase, the sons of men again, like he did in verse 1. So we have these bookends here showing us that the sons of men or, or mankind is on the road of the wicked and us believers who are now on the road of the righteous have to live in this world right alongside the wicked strutting sinners. But for the grace of God was us before the Lord Jesus called us off that road. What David is showing us is how he came to believe the certainty of Yahweh's promise. Because we live in a world where these two roads are going to be side by side. And this is the world we live in until our Lord Jesus comes back. So there's going to be this kind of tension. There's a tension between these two roads as we live in this hostile world. So this means that when those who may have trusted are shown to be two-faced against us, when those who slander us They get ahead. They get what they want. When those who use flattery and bullying, bullying to get ahead. David wants us to understand that this tension, this tension that we'll experience is here to point us back to the source of all of our hope. And the source of all of our hope is found in the truth of God's Word. It's hard to go through broken trust. It's hard to watch someone deceptive prosper while we struggle. But 
We do what David's doing here in Psalm 12. He's showing us that that, that Yahweh God is going to have the final word. That He's got us in His hand. And and we're in the safest place that we could ever be, even in the midst of this wicked world. Our Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. In Matthew 24, 12, our Lord Jesus said this about the world we live in. He said, and because lawlessness is multiplied, most people's love will grow cold. This is the world in which we live in. And this is the world in which David lived in. But God's word is still sure. His promise of judgment is still sure. His promise of salvation is still sure. The gospel is still sure. And we will be forever with him. And all this wickedness will come to an end. All this is temporary. Yahweh God is going to have the final word. The power of words. David wrote Psalm 12 to help us when we walk through this kind of difficulty in our lives. He wanted us to see his appeal, Yahweh God's answer, and our assurance. And so as we, as we conclude today, as we, as we wrap this up, the power of words. Words can hurt or words can heal. And we have the perfect, pure Word of God. So how does God's Word strengthen us and give us hope? Well, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, in Hebrews 4.12, it tells us, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's Word is living and active. It's the only living and active because Jesus is not dead. Because our Lord Jesus tells us in John chapter 5 and verse 39. Our Lord Jesus said in John 5.39, You search the Scriptures because you think in them that you have eternal life. In these that bear witness about Me. Our Lord Jesus showed that Yahweh's perfect, pure Word was all written to tell about Him. Jesus is the subject of God's Word. And our Lord Jesus is the living Word of God. Jesus Christ is the living Word of God. Fully God, fully human. Fully man. He was fully God, fully man. Who, be, who came to reveal God to man and redeem all who believe in Him from their sin. So we cannot have Jesus without the Word and we cannot have the Word without Jesus. So how do we live in a wicked world? But we need to accept the fact that as true believers in Christ, we're always going to be the minority in this world. We're not going to be the people that, that the world runs to for influence. Our Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, our Lord Jesus said this, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And, and there are many who enter through it, for the gate is narrow. And the way is constricted that leads to life. And there are few who find it. And so we won't find our hope. We, 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 we don't find our motivation in the fact that the world congratulates us or thinks we're cool and that we fit in here. That's not how Christianity works. Why? <laughs> because we find our motivation to keep going in the fact that we don't fit in here. We don't belong in this environment. We don't fit. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through. Why? Because our citizenship is 
with our Lord Jesus. And so if He calls us home or if He comes before that day, then we'll be home because we'll be with Him forever. And when we feel the spiritual heaviness from the attacks of this world, we pray like David did. We pray, oh Lord, help. Help. And that brings us back to God's Word, which shows us from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about His glorious Son, Jesus Christ. It's, it's the eternal truth in God's Word. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know, you know how hard it is for us to live in this wicked world. <laughs> but Father, we're only passing through. We're on our way to be with you forever. Father, help us not to get discouraged with all the tension that we go through in this world. But help us to look always to your word, to your perfect, pure, truthful word. Father, we thank you for your word. Continue to wean us away from the love of this world and love you more and more. Help us to place our hope in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, as you keep us safe in your hands. And Lord, I pray that there's anyone here today who doesn't know your son, Jesus, personally. Father, please don't let him leave without asking someone more about him. We just thank you, Father. We just pray all this in your, your holy Son, Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>